Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Good morning and welcome to the NFL lineup review strategy week seven, whatever you want to call it show. I absolutely love doing this show. I'm Eric Lindquist. Uh, we're presented by No House Advantage today. We're going to be going through the slant. We're going to be going through some of the biggest tournaments over on DraftKings, seeing how people kind of landed, where they fell, uh, how lineups panned out, everything else. But if you're coming from the NBA show, you absolutely know that the game time decision ended up coming to fruition. He's Joel Embiid over there at Ship My Money DFS. Adam, how you doing, my dude? I'm good. Uh, this, you know, glad that I, I was aware that I'm on this show. Um, maybe someday I'll learn how to read a schedule. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, excited for, for the show that I knew I was doing today. How long have you worked here? Three, four years? Three yeah. years? Since four the years? inception, basically. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. I just, just checking, you know, uh, again, we're <laughs> the schedule. <laughs> I like how you're, you're explaining it too. Cause I mean, we were all expecting like hookers and like a, a bunch of like craziness coming into on the back end. And I mean, it was nice that it was Benadryl and nice little sleepy time. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I'm good for like once every year or two missing a morning show because I just did something stupid the night before and whatever that wasn't last night. I just, I thought my show was at 11. I've been sick. I took Benadryl, set my clock for 10. Jordan texted me at like 10, 10. He's like, yo, he's like hey i was like yo what's up he's like didn't show up to your show i was like yeah didn't didn't know i had one even though i had specifically said that i would do both shows on monday mornings and yeah i don't know i'm just an idiot i've missed one show in the history of my osmo career but it was with the boss man on it something that i said that i was absolutely going to do to fill in uh they were doing the lineup builder on a friday and i i like went for a run and i got back and i was just having a nice little morning and all of a sudden it was just like panic sadness ridiculousness <laughs> i have a feeling that you're more of like eh yeah no it happened it's okay uh, but we're happy that you're fantastic you look alive alert awake enthusiastic in fact so i'm excited to get going and before we do i need to just ask you to hit the like button that is an important part of my persona going forward is you will hit the like button. You will hit the subscribe button. Uh, the, these are not the droids you are looking for uh, in the event that you guys can see all this content that we have going live on Osmo all the time. And of course, the notification bell. That's how you do that. All right. We had week seven on the just on the onset as we're getting going. How was it for you, Adam? Uh, overall, it was fine. Um, it started out poorly. I didn't do very well on the main slate on DraftKings, got killed on the early slate, uh, made money on Yahoo. Reminder, everyone should be playing there. Uh, yes. Especially like for NFL, because you have enough time to play multiple sites. 
um that's you know you, you should definitely be playing there but um made ended up profiting on the day because of the afternoon slate got fourth in the big uh big DraftKings tournament um would have won it if the Bucks didn't hate Leonard Fournette at the goal line <laughs> all of a sudden but uh yeah it ended up being an, an overall positive yeah the only site that I lost money on yesterday was of course the contest that's paying you in order to play it that was on <laughs> Yahoo uh just what a gut-wrenching feeling sometimes DJ Moore really really painful for me over there but overall pretty good uh, onset here we're of course looking at the slant if you guys are joining us for the first time we go through the slant because it is generally where the sharpest fields are. We can kind of see where some of the exposures are landing. We can see where some of the ownership landed. Just gives us a better sense of the slate than just going to the Millie Maker on a number of things. However, I did win my bet on Rashad Bateman that I made earlier in the earlier in the week with, with Lafay. Said he would be over 10% in the Millie uh, back when he was projected for around 8%. He ended up being, uh, shit, 16%, I think it was. So a large, hefty number, but... Let's start uh, kind of from the get-go. We had some chalk plays that existed on this slate. Uh, a number of guys to kind of start with. Uh, let me just kind of organize it here. Um, yeah, Cooper Cup was popular. He played pretty well, didn't he? Yeah, he tends to do that. It's unbelievable. This guy is out of his mind. Uh, I absolutely love watching him. I can't believe the difference Matt Stafford has made. I knew it was going to be important, but it was pretty crazy. It was interesting on this slate, though. The most popular play that we had was a defense with the Cardinals. Uh, it ended up being something where you kind of just played them and they gave you 11. Do you ever feel like when you get a spot like this where Arizona, their defense has been incredible? Uh, you know, obviously they're undefeated. They're a team that has, has really kind of uh, outperformed expectations. But 3,100 was a misprice in this spot against Houston. And 23.4% of the field just ate the chalk. And generally, you don't want to ever eat chalk on defense. But looking what through... are you looking at? Oh, I'm looking at the slant. 200K slant. They were 31.4%, second highest behind Henderson. I literally am looking at this. It says 23.4 that I'm looking at the 200 K slant. Yeah. NFL 200 K slant, 20 K to first two X min cash. Oh, I'm Oh, okay. Uh, no, that's not going to be 38. Oh, that's different. Are you looking that's, at the afternoon slate? I am looking. No, I'm looking at, Oh, Oh, that was our projection. Hello. Okay. <laughs> I had the wrong thing. Let me get this tab rid of again. This is my second time doing this show. I'm getting myself adjusted here. Uh, the I was looking at the wrong tab. And I go through this all the time for NBA. I love going through this. This is a nice addition you can have to Fantasy Cruncher with your Osmo Plus uh, portfolio, getting the lineup review, lineup study to be able to go through exposures. Uh, definitely a part of my process for NBA. Uh, NFL, uh, obviously, I, I always watch the shows that that you you were doing with, uh, with Josh here earlier in the season. But uh, 38.7% Daryl Henderson and then 31.4% Cardinals defense. Uh, gigantic pieces of chalk. Uh, one did really well. One did not. In fact, Cardinals outperforming Daryl Henderson. Not ideal. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty heavily owned. I mean, they were both, they were both good plays, obviously. <clears throat> um, I feel differently about the defense than I do about Daryl Henderson. Uh, I'm typically just not going to get the popular defenses. The way I, I put it on the show with Josh yesterday morning um, is that, like, yeah, you expected the Cardinals to do well. It was, like you said, it was a misprice. It was a good spot, all of that. But the thing with defenses is that if the highest scoring defense on a slate is like, you know, 13, 14 points, which is a very good game from a defense if you don't score a touchdown, um, it's just not really going to matter typically. 
you know, the there's going to be a bunch of defenses that score eight, nine points. And so, like, if you're giving up five points, you know, whatever, I think that's typically worth it for the massive upside you get if you're just on a random defense that scores a touchdown, scores, you know, 18, 19 points and, and can really win the slate for you. So that's really the reason why in tournaments, it's just very unlikely that I'm going – that I'm playing a lot of a 30% on defense. It just, there's so much volatility in the position. The scoring is not in line with actual good, you know, defensive play for the most part, you know, like obviously a team like the bucks yesterday got a lot of points because they played really well. They got a lot of sacks. They got a lot of turnovers, but um, in the sense of like, Oh, they're just not going to give up a lot of points. It's, it's really not only is their volatility where, you know, yeah, sometimes they are going to actually give up points, but, it's also just really difficult for them to separate from the field if they don't score a touchdown and scoring a touchdown is just completely random basically. So mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of one of the easiest spots to, to separate from the field is to just have different defenses. So the Cardinals obviously were a good play. Um, Henderson, on the other hand, I think that, and this actually is reflected if you look at different 150 maxers as well. Uh, I had 41%. Alex had 17%. Steve had 39%. Rinpack had 15%. I don't think there was really a right answer on Henderson here. I thought he was a very, very good play. You really liked the Rams offense. They were huge favorites. Uh, but even if the game's competitive, you expect Henderson to be involved a lot. The thing is, there were a lot of other really good running back options as well. So I, I could see it going either way. I do think if this is a spot where ownership projections were just lower than, than you know the actual ownership, we had him projected at 25%. He came in at 39 I think if we had had like a 30%, 31%, projection on Henderson I probably end up getting less at 25% though he just wasn't that different than a lot of the other running backs I would have played like he was more popular but not 25% was about where I thought Henderson should be owned okay so I I didn't mind it wasn't a spot where I was looking to like get away from Daryl Henderson I think if uh if I knew he was gonna be 40% owned I wouldn't have played nearly as much but um I think that was a spot where you could make a pretty strong case either way for for rostering Henderson or for fading him and now we run into the tier of uh, you kind of needed these guys. I mean, Chris Godwin, every buck, him and Mike Evans, phenomenal outings. Uh, this is Tom Brady at peak of Tom Brady, PFF's number one quarterback, GOAT, whatever you want to call him. I, he's really good, and he's throwing the football around a lot. I know that you had a nice afternoon sweat, and, and you finished, I believe, fourth in that, 12K? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a fantastic hit, a fantastic lineup, but – uh, talk to me a little bit about the Bucks and, and about that sweat for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's a obviously a good offense. Um, there was some risk that they wouldn't need to pass all that much. But this is, it ended up just turning into a perfect example of this and the Rams game both. Why, mm-hmm. I know it's something that I've talked about a lot, but I think we've all, we all talk about it. Uh, in tournaments specifically, you know, using the spread is a way to really get yourself in trouble, I think. You know, it, it was, it could potentially have been, used as a reason to get away from Rams pass catchers yesterday. It could have potentially been used as a reason to get away from DeAndre Swift uh, on the other end of, you know, a 16 point spread in the Bucks game. It was easy to see how this could just turn into a game where the Bucks are playing from ahead and not throwing. It turned into a game where they should have been playing from ahead and not throwing, but they just didn't give a <laughs> shit. They just threw the entire <laughs> game anyway. So you know, it, it just goes back to, especially in tournaments where there is a payoff for not thinking along the same lines as the general consensus uh, that it, it's just the reason why I think um, spreads in general can, can be overstated, but you saw it with the bucks here, you know, Brady, Brady got his 600 passing touchdown. I was like, okay, cool. He got that out of the way. Now, you know, we'll play a normal game of football. And he just tried to get to 610 in the same game. Like it was, <laughs> it was insane. Like they were just throwing and throwing and throwing. They get yeah. down to the two. 
it's like, okay, cool. They're going to run it in. Nope. Mike Evans, Mike Evans. It's like, they, they just like, didn't care. Really drop kick me. As you said, like two yard touchdown, two yard touchdown. Like what they are tried we doing? to do it again. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Ronald Jones touchdown, they mm-hmm. came down, they threw a screen to Evans. He got tackled. I'm watching the game. I'm like, okay, finally, they're going to just say, okay, we're done. Give it to Fournette. Ronald Jones comes in, but uh, yeah, it was just, they, they didn't care what the score was. I thought they were going to QB sneak Tom Brady in a 35 to three game with three minutes left. Like uh, (laughs) that might've been the Jones touchdown or they might've called, I don't remember what they did, but it was like a fourth and one from the goal line. Uh, Oh, they got to stop. Ronald Jones uh, ran up the middle and got stopped, but yeah, it was fourth and one from the goal line up by 32. And I'm like, this is like a Tom Brady sneak situation. They're not really going to do this, but uh they just they played like it was a competitive game and as far as the the actual plays you know coming into the slate you had Antonio Brown out you had Rob Gronkowski out complete mispricing on Chris Godwin this is someone that we know is a really really good receiver he puts up you know he's heavily involved anyway and then you take out Antonio Brown you take out Gronk there's just more passing volume to go around for him Uh, so I thought he was a, a really strong play and then Evans you know you don't get quite the same consistency you do with Godwin because of the the route tree basically that Evans runs you're getting fades in the end zone you're getting deep passes those can turn into huge plays they also can turn into games where uh you know if you get unlucky with pass interferences or you get the you know unlikely scenario where Brady is not playing well uh it's you know a little bit more volatility in Evans game but still in massive upside so uh I I thought you know both Bucks receivers were really strong plays yeah, they were. And I got a lot of them in the same lineups, which was good. I needed to have a little bit more Evans than what I did. I don't know. Maybe it was just Godwin 5,900 allowed for me to get more cup and things, but um, it just feels like I have this bias of going to Godwin every single time. As you said, the route trees just distinguishably different. Mike Evans has a gigantic red zone role and you just think, all right, this is going to be the game. Godwin gets some 25, 30 yarders over the middle and yeah, didn't happen. Um, I mean, he still had a fantastic game. And yeah, it did happen once. But Evans is just uh, outrageous in the red zone without Gronk here at the moment. Uh, kind of need Gronk to come back. That might be uh, something that helps out. Or maybe yeah, I should be careful what I wish for. All right. Miles Sanders, that was sad. Uh, 3.7 fantasy points there. I thought he was an interesting play on yesterday's slate up against uh, the Vegas Raiders. It uh, looks like the Colts was, was pretty darn high on him as well. Um, looks like you were a little bit lower on Miles Sanders. I think that that was fine. Calvin Ridley uh, really underperformed. This is kind of the underperforming tier. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard and then Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had a touchdown pass. Uh, that was about it in a game that they absolutely throttled Kansas City. Uh, this kind of speaks to this is the first time in an eruption spot where, you know, everything was going for him. The game flow could not have been possibly better for him. And he still failed to meet expectations. Rinpak was the only guy who looked like was over the field, but everybody else seems like going through all the 150 maxers. This was a fade Derrick Henry spot. Uh, anything in hindsight that you kind of take, take away from that. So one thing I think, um, and I actually don't know how true it's been this year, but I think it's something that, that shows up in general. A lot of times, if you look at 150 maxers, it's a fade Derrick Henry spot because uh, he just doesn't, <laughs> he, he's, he's different. He's really, yes. really difficult to account for in the way that I think most 150 maxers build their lineups. Uh, he, he, doesn't project like a great play that often, even though he typically is a, a really good play. But on this particular slate, I, I thought he was actively a bad play. Normally, it's kind of just like Derrick Henry's always a good play. Um, he, he still gives you a massive ceiling, no doubt about that. The reason that I, I had an issue with him was the projected ownership and the price tag, and then also the depth of the position. Um, there was a really good chance, given the depth of the running back position today, that you had a lot of, or yesterday, that you had a lot of running backs 
land in that, you know, 20 to 30 point range and have good games. So if Derrick Henry goes out there and gets you 30 at 9,200, it's not really that good because there wasn't a lot of value. You didn't have a lot of cheap running backs. Miles Sanders was like the cheapest, uh, you know, really viable running back option at 5,100. You didn't have really good cheap receivers. You know, you had Bateman that people were using. You had Dante Pettis was fine, but there wasn't like really mispriced wide receivers, really good value at wide receivers. So I thought it was a really difficult slate to pay up. And I would have liked the idea more if Henry were getting, you know, 10% ownership or something like that. But he's someone that people just always are going to roster. You saw it on FanDuel as well. He was $11,000. He was like 20 to 25% owned in tournaments there. I think I literally had zero Derek Henry on FanDuel. Uh, DraftKings, I had very yeah. little, but I at least had a little bit. Uh, $11,000 will do that. Right. So it was just, it was one of those situations where, of course, Derek Henry is always a good play if you're just looking at Derek Henry. But I thought that looking at the rest of the slate, he was a pretty shitty play. Um, so I, I was finding under the field there. Uh, obviously, I got really scared when he started off with the passing touchdown. But then also when the Titans were just running away with the game, I was like, man, he's going to score like a million points in the second half. So kind of feels lucky that he didn't have a bigger game. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. just from a pricing standpoint, the way that slate broke down, I thought he was actually a pretty bad tournament play. We got Jordan Klein behind the virtual glass. Uh, gotten to spend some time with him recently. He's a good person. Uh, that was surprising to me, but you know, uh, such is life. Uh, I, I'm kidding, Jordan Klein. You're lovely. I'm just saying. My wife would prefer you were at my wedding next month rather than me. So uh, I would say that you made a good impression. I need you to group it by running backs for me. What? Oh, multiple. I am Mormon. No, you said your, your wife would prefer that Jordan be at your wedding next month. So I didn't know if you were just adding. Yeah, well, I'm month. saying prefer him more than me, meaning that he's very nice and I'm not. Got it. Got it. But I'm nice, I think. I have my moments. But uh, yeah, no, I absolutely love. Uh, I absolutely love my future wife if she's watching from the other room. When she's not. She doesn't care. All right. Let's go to running backs here because this was kind of the make or break spot here. Uh, before we kind of get into some of the lineups uh, specifically from this tournament and some of the other uh, exposures on the bottom end here, talking about running back here, Daryl Henderson obviously failed 1.4. Leonard Fournette, uh, sorry, that was the value, seven to 9.4, 17 for Leonard Fournette, 14.6 Devonna Booker, Daryl Williams, 8, Chuba Hubbard, 9.6, until we get to Damian Harris, who I thought became like an immediate best tournament play of the slate when you got the news that Ramondre Stevenson was inactive, of course, Sony Michelle's been shipped off to LA. Unfortunate for me because I was chasing that earlier in the season, uh, thinking you might get some work, but I digress. Um, what did you kind of see from the running back position? Because this was one where it didn't really matter unless you hit the absolute nuts with DeAndre Swift, Damian Harris. What did you kind of see? Because it seemed like it was just a position of failure yesterday. Damian Harris was clearly far and away my biggest mistake on this slate. Um, and I, I kind of knew I was making it going into the slate too. Mm -hmm. um, one issue where one spot where I do think I'm weak is late news in NFL because I just don't have the best process for accounting for it without trying to rerun everything that I've done and putting myself in a position where like I don't have time to get all my stuff done. So um, that that was a spot where like projections were bumped up on him when Stevenson was ruled out, but I just didn't really think they were bumped up enough. It was a spot. And then that combined with the fact that whenever you get like a seemingly, you know, kind of innocuous news like that, that, that a lot of people are just going to completely miss the ownership. Isn't going to completely change. Like if it were a situation where Stevenson were the starter or, or okay. So like if it were a situation where Harris were ruled out, Stevenson's ownership would just skyrocket. Cause that's very, very obvious to everyone. When you have the backup ruled out the backup that nobody's really thinking about, you just don't get that same sort of ownership bump 
with last minute news like that, because a lot of people are just, you know, they're, they're scrambling on lineups. They're, they're not really paying attention. They don't even like register, you know, Stevenson being out. So that was a spot where, you know, I, I got around the field. I got a little bit over, but I thought that it was a pretty big mistake that, for example, for me, I ended up with twice as much Daryl Williams, who I thought was fine. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I think that having more Daryl Williams than, than Harris was just a massive mistake at that price point. Um, same goes for Hubbard. Any, any running back really in that price range, I think should a lot of it should have become Damian Harris if I had played that spot well. So um, that, that's just something that I think you like it, it's a it's a learning spot like you need to, yes. to have a good process to, to do better there but also you know when you do have a situation like that where the backup is ruled out um and it was actually kind of funny because somebody had asked on the strategy show yesterday i did it with josh they specifically asked about damien harris and i was like man i like him i like the spot the concern is that stevenson's been getting more work he's getting some goal line touches uh he can just you know sort of vulture some stuff and, and it keeps harris in check when you take stevenson out he just became such a fantastic play so i think i played it pretty horribly uh not having more of him i agree with you he became a phenomenal option uh looking at the 150 matches i'm looking at uh really the only guy that that i think did a good job was ricky d who ended up with 50 percent mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean that, that's something where i think i screwed up I, I also probably should have switched to him in cash i played daryl williams instead um yeah that, that was just a huge mistake i think i made that's a spot where you can get a really big advantage on the field the couple times a year it happens yeah, I think the mistake I made was my run back. I, I didn't think I needed one necessarily for the Rams. You had a 16 implied total, basically, or just like short of 17 points for Detroit. And DeAndre Swift, 28.4, right off the gate, right first play. I was like, damn it. You, you knew Cooper Cup was going to get going. Uh, there was like, this was a can't fail spot in that way. And not having any of DeAndre Swift, uh, especially if you have a banged up TJ Hawkinson, was probably a mistake on my part for sure as well. Rest of the running back position, though, um, uh, was just absurd. It, it just didn't end up panning out the way that you kind of were anticipating. But, uh, you know, that's why tournaments are fantastic. Those are the only two running backs other than Khalil Herbert that went over 20 fantasy points, I believe, on the day. Yeah. Um, also, just as a, a kind of side note, um, for anyone that played Miles Sanders and, like, in hindsight is, you know, doing the, oh, I wish I didn't play Miles Sanders. He he was on he looked like a very very good play he played like a drive and a half he had 25 rushing yards and i think a catch so he was actually doing exactly what you you wanted to see there at that price tag uh so i definitely wouldn't be beating yourself up for for playing miles sanders he the the way he was being used at least open that game prior to his injury he was on he he was en route to being a phenomenal play yeah i i definitely agree and something i know you and i will definitely agree on as well is that osmo plus is a great place to be behind the paywall and we have a promotion going This is the last day of the Curry promotion to give you guys an opportunity to get in here for one half off your first week at Osmo Plus. We have player projections, ownership projections, the NBA boom bust tool, everything you could possibly want for the NBA season. And then also for the NFL season. Oh, and the MMA season, because every single sport is included with the Osmo Plus uh, platinum membership. So promo code Curry gets you it for $14.98. Just put it in at the checkout collect your winnings, and then uh, go pass, go collect $200, all of that. Absolutely. You will definitely love everything we have behind the paywall. Uh, there's no question about it. I, I just know they're the best tools in the industry used by the number one player in the industry, Alex Osmo Baker, uh, our namesake here at Osmo. So check it out. Use that promotion now and get that first half off your first week. All right, let's jump on over to the rest of the study here. Were there any kind of plays that kind of came in a little bit lower on than you were anticipating? Was there something uh, that really stood out 
I mean, it feels like we have to talk maybe a little bit about Kansas City just because of the absolute incineration that they received against Tennessee. Are they just a bad football team this year? What is going on? Because it seems like it was a spot where Nicole Hardman was probably the only, I would call, bad play at 13.7% if you're trying to put that entire stack together. I definitely sided more with Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill, and that definitely was not the side to side with. Yeah, it's not – I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't – I definitely don't know enough about football to diagnose, like, what's wrong with Kansas City. But the the way I view it is that they're much more likely than not to just figure things out, turn it around, start having big games again. I'm not, like, downgrading, you know, Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes – in terms of, of wanting to roster them, I still had zero Mahomes just because of his price tag. Um, I, I thought that Stafford was a better play. Uh, I ended up playing a lot of cheap quarterbacks as well, but I am viewing it more from, you have a lot of data on this offense just being ridiculously good. Uh, it, it has struggled so far, no doubt about it, but mm-hmm. it's something it's NFL DFS is kind of unique in that uh, the entire season is a small sample size, basically. So yeah. You, you really want, and I think one of the bigger edges as the season goes on, is keeping your priors in mind in situations like this. Like, there's some spots, like, yeah. if your prior was uh, wide receiver A is going to be the number one wide receiver on this team, and then through the first seven weeks, he's getting three targets a game and someone else is getting ten. Yeah, you were wrong. You need to adjust, you know, what, what you're projecting. But when it's something like the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Hill are going to be a good offense, and then they're a bad offense through six weeks – you are probably making a mistake if you just start treating them like they're not a good offense. Man, Rinpack treated them like they were a good offense. Uh, shout out my guy Rinpack, hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of touch on them. I, I've got notes of what I want to touch on. It Rinpack, hundred percent. Patrick Mahomes was at the top of the list. Uh, I, I probably think that in hindsight, you would probably maybe do it again, but. Uh, you had a 31 and a half total for a team that put up three points. That's going to be a disaster day. Um, so I, it was an unfortunate spot. I, I thought Patrick Mahomes was a fantastic play. Uh, they had a top stack potential over 25%. It was them and the Rams. Those were the two teams that you really wanted to have. And we'll get to his wide receiver exposure here in a second as well. But uh, wanted to touch on the Kansas City side of things here. Let's continue back down the board here. Um, but yeah, was there any other play that you really thought on this slate that came in a little bit underrepresented compared to where you were expecting them or something that in your process was a play that you wanted to get to that you didn't that ended up being uh, kind of a mistake? Uh, wanted to get to and didn't. It's absolutely Damian Harris. Uh, one guy that came in with low ownership and I, I, I it was expected. I, I specifically talked about it on the, the show with Josh, but one guy that I think just as a, a whole, the field sort of made a mistake on thinking in, in terms of strategy and it didn't end up mattering. He didn't have a good game, but Robert Woods at 8%. Mm-hmm. If Stafford's going to be the highest owned or one of the highest owned quarterbacks and Henderson's going to get massive ownership and cups going to get massive ownership. You're clearly expecting that the Rams offense does well. Yeah. Robert Woods is, is behind Cooper cup in the pecking order, but he's still a very talented wide receiver with a good quarterback and a spot you know, where you can score a lot of points. I just thought from sort of a, a macro view, like a, a theory standpoint, if you're getting that much ownership, if the field is allocating that much ownership to the main pieces of the Rams offense, Robert Woods has to be coming in at higher than 8%. And if he's not, he's a very, very good play, just in the sense where if you played that game a thousand times, there's a lot of games where Robert Woods is breaking the slate. Agreed. Six, six or six, 70 yards. That's probably on the low end of what you could expect in this spot. I mean, yeah, Cooper Cup is out of his mind. His rapport, 
I mean, we've seen it from the get-go here. Thir- so 10 catches, 156 and two touchdowns. But I mean, if Robert Woods gets one over the top as well, you're looking at a completely different slate where you're looking at either both of them together or yeah, Robert Woods in a couple of those events. We've seen some massive target volume for him, depending on some matchups, depending on some other factors. It's it's just a fantastic play in a pass happy offense and no way around it. I think that that was kind of a, a play that I was looking at a little bit. Um, was there anything out of the quarterback position? So we saw a pretty strange, I mean, I loved the Miami Atlanta game and Tua ended up being the side of it more uh, than Matt Ryan was. Matt Ryan was still pretty serviceable, but was there anything that kind of jumped out to you at the quarterback position? Because I know week to week, we talk about how uh, concentrated uh, it's going to be their production. And then also the ownership is so, so flat for these guys, but Matt Stafford ended up being the the high performer along with Joe Burrow. Was there anything that kind of uh, stood out to you here on the top end? Because, I mean, Tua was kind of in a majority of the winning lineups, it looks like. And every single guy except for Renpak here in-house at Osmo uh, looks like they were way over the field on him. Yeah, I thought Tua was just a good play. He was really cheap in a game that I thought there was a good chance there was going to be scoring. Um, he actually was someone that um, I didn't end up. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Using him in cash. Um, but you, you considered was, two in cash? Actually, no. I, I think it was it was on the early slate I considered. Two. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, main yeah, slate, yeah. it was it was Stafford Hurts. Stafford, the only two yeah. I considered. Um, on the early slate, I had two for a while. Ended up with Lamar. But uh, yeah, he was just really, really cheap. Like, whether you think he's a good quarterback at this point or not, it was certainly a situation where you had a, the, the opportunity for a lot of points, but then also something that I think pulled Tua up for me. And it looks like for, for several others, Jalen Waddle was a good receiving value option. Jasicki was arguably the best tight end option. So if you're playing those guys anyway, why not throw in the $5,500 quarterback, have a bunch of money left over for your other positions. So I think that's something that, that pulled him up. Um, it's a similar reason why I think I got so much Daniel Jones. Um, I was actually really glad to, when I pulled up um, exposures today, I saw that Alex, Steve and Rinpak barely had any, but uh, Brick had 13%, Ricky D had 8%. So I didn't feel like I completely had lost my mind playing Daniel Jones. Um, but I think like in the case of Daniel Jones, for me, it wasn't that I wanted to play Daniel Jones. It was that I had a decent amount of Pettis. I had a good amount of slate and I had a good amount of Ingram. Like I was using those, those cheap giants pass catchers as somewhat contrarian pieces that projected well. And so then mm-hmm. it just became like, all right, may as well throw Daniel Jones in there and really just hope that it goes off. Uh, and that I have, you know, a really good team around them. The same thing can be applied to Tua where uh, he, he at least has, he has a ceiling, you know, whether you think he's good or not. Uh, he has a ceiling there. He had a couple of the more popular pass catchers on the slate. Why not just throw the cheap quarterback in and then build some really strong lineups around them? Last guy to bring up here before we start digging into some of the lineups, Foster Moreau. Um, so there is nobody. Uh, so you guys didn't have him. Nobody had him. I thought that when you got the news that Darren Waller uh, was going to be inactive, I was on the live before lock show. And I, I ended up making him my psych, second highest owned tight end in that spot. I was going to play some two tight end him and Goddard. And I ended up pivoting a lot to Moreau where I think he actually probably ended up my, my highest owned tight end at 2,500 to, to kind of mix and match, to get more cup and, and kind of have a little bit of uh, more avenues to upside there. But 
Did you ever consider rostering him at any point when the Waller news came down? Yeah, it was. I didn't have a lot of tight end spots left on draft. It, it was it was tough because on DraftKings, I didn't have a lot of late game tight ends. Um, looking at my exposures, I twenty seven percent Jasicki, seventeen percent Ingram, fifteen percent. Goddard was late, but I, I mean, obviously I didn't want to get off of Goddard. Um, mm-hmm. Kelsey was early. I liked OJ Howard fine. Like he wasn't someone that I felt really strongly I needed to get away from. Uh, Higby was early. So a lot of my tight end exposure was already taken. I liked Cole Komet. Like that was a situation where you're like, yeah, uh, Moreau looks better, but it doesn't make Komet look any worse. Uh, so on DraftKings, it was just tough to get there. FanDuel I had, oh, and I only had like 3% Waller. So mm-hmm. there wasn't that yeah. much as well. Um, on FanDuel, I had a lot of Waller, but there the pricing there was just weird to where you know, it, I still ended up getting to a lot of Moreau on the afternoon slate. I played like 45%. Uh, so <laughs> love it. Love it. He, and he was only like 11% on. So yeah. I thought he was a good play in the context of the main slate on DraftKings. I just didn't think he was that great uh, considering who was already locked and mm-hmm. the fact that there were already some other cheap tight ends um, that weren't getting a ton of ownership either. All right. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I, for me, I, I also wasn't, I, I mean, on the show, you're kind of just setting, forgetting, and I wanted to be able to make more late swaps and kind of pivot into some things. Jasicki was definitely my favorite play of the tight end position on the early section, and, and it made sense. Dallas Goddard was somebody that I was getting to quite a bit as well. Uh, ran some two tight end for probably the first time all season. Um, thought it wasn't the worst idea because you got a $2,500 savings and it allowed me to get to more cup and Tyreek Hill. One of those worked out. One of them did not. Um, anything else just as far as like low owned options that stu- stood out to you to kind of round it out? Um, I guess one more point on Moreau. If I had crunched for Waller being out, um, I, I'm sure I would have had Moreau on the DraftKings slate. Um, mm-hmm. I crunched with him being in just because I thought it was going to be easier to late swap away from that if I needed to than vice versa. Being stuck with 2,500 for a dude who might not see the field that much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and also like even let, let's say the game orders were flipped. Like if Ricky seals Jones were on the late slate, that's the kind of guy where I think I would have swapped a lot of that tomorrow because he was going to be popular. He was projected for 16% ownership. Like I would love to have a low on Moreau instead of that piece because they're functionally the same idea, but with the late slate guys, like Komet was projected for 6%. Howard was projected for four. Um, there just wasn't really a need for me to swap those guys to tomorrow. Yeah. Game theory said surprise Moreau was low owned on afternoon slate. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was shocked at his ownership. I played, I played that same tournament you played in um, Daryl Henderson. I, and Miles Sanders were my two highest stone running backs. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I was I did not going even, to the top. I was even with the field on Sanders and like half the field on Henderson. Yeah. I was double on both. So, uh, or not, it was impossible. I think to be double on Henderson, but I was, I was way over the field. I think, um, that was a bummer, but yeah, Moreau was definitely my highest on tight end. I was shocked that he was 11, 12% allowed you to play everything. It was, it became just a, a, a Godwin Evans cup fest. Yeah. That was one of those where like he scored and I was like, Oh cool. He's in half my lineups, but I'm sure he's in half of everybody's lineups. And I looked and was like, Holy shit, this might be a fun slate. Yeah, and it was. It was fantastic. Uh, one play like that can make all the difference, especially when they're at the stone min floor. Uh, well done by you. Glad that you had a great afternoon slate. Um, as we kind of make our way over to some of the lineups, let's talk NHA. They are our sponsor. That is no house advantage. They bring you DFS in a little bit of a different way where they have player prop contests. It's 100% peer-to-peer, just like other DFS sites, but They have over 500 player props offered for you to take advantage of. And all new users will get a $25 bonus right now using promo code AWESOMO. 
you really don't have anything to lose in that regard. They have some great contests. There's overlay there all the time. Super easy to understand. You have confidence slates or you have confidence spots, excuse me, for the slates where you go seven to one, seven being the most confident you have, one being the least confident. You play seven player props uh, and we have tools that are catered directly to that. The NFL player props tool, we have projections for NHA. We have so much stuff that makes it easy to build lineups over there. Great prize pools to be able to take advantage of where, you know, again, there's overlay constantly for them. Beat your friends, not the house. And then uh, let's pull up a little bit of the stuff that they have going tonight. Um, I'm pulling up the NHA site. I, I just think that these contests are some of the best that you can enter on a day-to-day -day basis. They don't generally fill. They're, they're putting money in your pocket in order to come over and try their site out. They have a $5,000 Monday night football showdown, 2K to first. 23 out of 300 currently in that. I mean, if you were on some of the main sites, these contests are going to be filling up in seconds. They are giving you an opportunity to try out their product. Super easy to understand. You have a guy like DJ Dallas, 15 and a half rushing yards. Well, if you end up getting news that Alex Collins is out, sorry, you're going to want to be playing the over on all of these props. And these props do not change in the moment. So you have an opportunity, you know, you wouldn't want to play Alex Collins. You get a zero if you play somebody who's inactive. But in the event that DJ Dallas is good to go, you know, 15 and a half rushing yards is super, super low. So you're able to react to the late news and that prop won't change like it will on sports books. Huge advantage to it. Check out No House Advantage today. And thank you so much to them for their sponsorship of the lineup show and so many other shows here on the Osmo Network. All right, let's get ourselves to some of these lineups. We had Megan Joy. It was a 150 fest here at the top of this of this contest. If you group it just by 150s, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven of the top nine are 150 maxers. It was just a 150 max haven when you get guys like Cooper Cup, who completely smashed the slate. The Cardinals defense, a, a very popular defense amongst a lot of 150 maxers, except for you know the sharper end of the 150 maxers, I would say. Uh, just because defense is so um, spread out, as you would say, I mean, it, it just is very, very volatile as far as like, you know, trying to predict who's going to go off and who's not. But looking at Megan Joy's lineup here, uh, can you pull that one up for me here, Jordan? It's it's just taking forever for me to load here on this end. We just want to look at Megan Joy's winning lineup here. All lineups. There it is. I just got it to come up. We have Matt Stafford, DeAndre Swift, great run back option. Wish I'd played more. Uh, uh, Damian Harris, absolute smash. Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, Terry McLaurin, Foster Moreau, Van Jefferson, Buccaneers. Foster Moreau in the top two lineups in the contest. He obviously gave you a lot of access to plays. I mean, this is this is the importance of reacting to late news. Damian Harris, I, I doubt that he ends up getting to 8.9% ownership uh, in the event that you get Ramondre Stevenson out there for his 10, 12 carries like he's had the last couple weeks. And then Foster Moreau, 5.6%. I guess uh, just kind of speak to the overall lineup construction here. Yeah, I think it's a really good lineup. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that, and it's not, it's not even that it's bad. It's just something I don't do. Um, the Godwin plus Bucks piece. Yeah. Uh, again, it's not like it, it's bad. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I personally just prefer not having wide receivers with my defense, just because again, I think it's totally random, like how deep, what defenses are going to do. And I assume I'm going to play like all of them. So I would rather just, you know, <laughs> um, there, there's a little bit of negative correlation where like if the Bucks defense does really well in theory, they're not throwing the Godwin as much, obviously uh, that didn't play out yesterday. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of a nitpicky thing where uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I just prefer not doing it. Um, but other than that, I mean, very strong lineup. Uh, you have the Ram stack. I liked, uh, I had said 
you know, I liked using Higby or Woods as like a second piece in the Ram stack. Jefferson certainly fit that as well. Uh, you know, a low owned guy offered some value. Uh, McLaurin, I thought was a strong tournament option, not a very good quarterback, but a very good receiver. He's pretty cheap because of his not very good quarterback. Uh, so he gives you a, a nice ceiling. Damian Harris, you know, again, I think was the best tournament play on the slate. Uh, it was my biggest mistake yesterday. Uh, he, he His ownership, you know, 8%, like that's about where you would expect him to be with Stevenson in. Like he was still like good play if Stevenson was in, but he was just kind of another, you know, middle of the road running back in a pretty good spot. When you take Stevenson out, that ownership should have skyrocketed. My exposure, everyone's exposure should have skyrocketed. Uh, so very, very, very good play there. It's, it's one of those where like, I think, you know, I, I made a huge mistake, but I'm almost glad to see it get, see that play get rewarded because like you deserve to make money if you played that correctly and got more Damian Harris in your lineups. Um, so that, you know, worked out well. Uh, Moreau, you know, good job getting to him. I wonder, uh, I wonder if they projected Moreau in or if that was a late swap. I'm guessing that they just had Moreau in from okay. the get-go because – Let's look at let's look at the exposures because I would find it tough to believe that you're able to pivot to a ton. So they have Hunter Renfro. So looking at Megan Love's exposures, uh, 86.7% Cooper Cup, useful. 53.3% Damian Harris, extremely useful. You're going to get paid in that regard. Chris Godwin, Aaron Jones, 30.7%. That's fascinating. I thought that was uh, a good play. But... You thought Aaron Jones was? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I actually played him. He was just one of the guys that I thought kind of stood out as like, he he has you know sort of slate crazy ceiling potential yeah yeah and i mean derrick henry and him were kind of on an island on the upper end of running back this right. week so uh i guess you know it was like play the field with everybody else at the 6k range or pay up for super ceiling and derrick right. henry but, and him but, uh, obviously if you're paying have. up if you're paying up for henry you were still doing what the field's doing which was kind of the thing so like uh that's yeah. why I, I like jones in between so hunter renfro 18 percent. i gotta assume that they projected him out um Foster Moreau here at 8.7%. I think that that might be appropriate. I mean, I don't know. 2,500, he's a pass-catching tight end. Uh, it just is never on the field because Darren Waller exists. Um, it's. I bet there's a decent chance that they had, like, Komet or Howard at tight end and the Cardinals at defense, and they mm -hmm. swapped up to the Bucks and down to Moreau. Yeah, I think you could probably have played with more swaps. I mean, I didn't get to play with as much. I just kind of played Moreau from the onset um, because I was willing to burn a couple hundred bucks with the with the intent of of having a twenty five hundred dude. And if I if I could make the swaps, and plus I had some Goddard, um, I had quite a bit of Goddard uh, just kind of sitting there waiting in the wings. And the Rams were, you know, my third highest owned stack. I think. I mean, it was my it was uh, Atlanta and Kansas City beforehand. So that's that's why. It could have been a really nice night with their Damian Harris and Foster Moreau. It just didn't pan out because uh, Kansas City sucks. But uh, absolutely love uh, the Hunter. Like Hunter Renfro is interesting, eighteen percent. But I, I love just the ability that they had to to have some of those late swaps. And you know, we always think of late swap being an NBA thing. It is super, super important for NFL as well. Yeah, if you if you have a good process for late swapping in NFL, and I mean, I, mine's okay, but it's not the best. Uh, like it's really difficult to make good late swaps in NFL across a lot of lineups because like you have so many different roster construction rules that you're working with, like, you know, wanting to keep stacks intact and all of that. You know, NBA it's easier because you just say, yeah, okay. Like uh, I'm just going to recrunch my lineups. There's not, I'm not really worrying about correlation anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just recrunching for news. So 
it's really important in NBA, obviously, but it's also easier to do. Baseball and, and NFL are, are, I think you still can get, and I guess you don't really have to do it for baseball outside of, uh, it's not like there's usually late news. You're just doing it, you know, to, to change your teams up based on the start. But like in football, when you get that four o'clock news, if you have a good way of keeping your stacks intact and still swapping guys around, um, which I think, unless there's a more efficient way than I know, um, I typically just end up doing like multiple different late swaps for, for depending on how many you know guys I have left in different lineups. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely was a spot where you could give yourself an edge. So going back to the entire uh, placement here for the 150 maxers, there was a, there was a two entry person who ended up finishing second there. Uh, they got 10 K that's a nice payday on $18 for sure. I slew foot you. He's a guy that you'll see in the NHL streets quite a bit, really good NHL player. Joe Burrow ends up being, he's the top Joe Burrow team there in third. Uh, he had Joe Burrow, Damian Harris. <laughs> he actually had Daryl Williams there with eight points, but you talked about uh, Damian Harris being a guy that somebody brought up in your YouTube chat. I had a guy bring up CJ Uzoma like three times. He kept trying to ask about CJ Uzoma. And I'm like, what is this guy trying to ask about <laughs> CJ Uzoma? What a, what a fish, what a donk, please stop talking. And then basically just goes out and annihilates a slate, three catches, two of them for touchdowns. Like, come on at three K, but Hey, that's the thing. Joe Burrow. We know he's going to be airing it out. They were projected to be behind in that game. Jamar chase. He makes a nice double. He's three K. I mean, CJ Uzoma is a guy that in hindsight, if you had told me Joe Burrow is going to be 1.5% owned in a negative game script that you're kind of assuming against Baltimore, which obviously did not come to fruition. I think you would have had to play more of him. Maybe. I was only half listening. Um, play more of who? Love you too. It's fine. It's fine. No, it doesn't even matter. You, you're just, you're already in the doghouse. It doesn't matter. You're fine, <laughs> I, Joe I would, Burrow. <laughs> I, 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 this is what happens. This is why I don't go in chat. Like <laughs> I, I get in chat and I just tune you out. Oh, Sean V. I see. I see what happens. Okay, I love it. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, CJ Uzoma. Somebody in YouTube chat just was obsessing over CJ Uzoma. Ended up being a huge difference maker on that slate. If you ended up playing him, twenty four point one smashed the tight end position where. Everybody failed except for him and Foster Moreau and Mike Jasicki, which was a actually fantastic play at 16.1%. Uh, Kyle Pitts won the position. Oh, I love that guy so much. Everybody after one week is like, Kyle Pitts is a bust. Kyle Pitts sucks. Look at him now, baby. He can run routes. He can do ridiculous things no other tight end can do. Just perfect, buckle up. Perfect example of all of NFL basically being a small sample size and so, something like that, you know, with Kyle Pitts. Yeah. If your expectation coming into the season is Kyle Pitts is going to suck, I think that that was wrong. But like then by all means, after the first four weeks, you should be sticking with that. But if your expectation was Kyle Pitts is going to be a really good receiver and used very heavily, just because he has a bad three or four weeks out of the gate, uh, you shouldn't have been like changing your tune. Like you might have said, okay, maybe the the Falcons offense as a whole isn't going to be as good as I hoped. And that's going to pull Pitts down. But you shouldn't have been like completely reevaluating your your take on Pitts, especially because like it's not like somebody stepped up in his place. You know, you still had Ridley, which was expected. And then you had Pitts just not being very productive. But that was a perfect example of, uh, you know, yeah, maybe you change your stance on the Falcons offense a little bit. But if you thought Pitts was going to be good coming into the season, you shouldn't really have changed your tune. See, this is one of the crazy things. This is why I always want to rely on the tools when I make decisions or when I inform people of what I'm going to be doing as opposed to just what I'm doing. Because Loco in the chat said, I think I asked you guys, uh, you and Neil. Yeah. So Orfield, if you liked Burrow and we told them no. Yeah, I didn't necessarily like Burrow um, at three, four percent. I thought that getting to some other spots on the slate made some sense. And I just never really had Jamar Chase on my board whatsoever. He's just been 
performing at such a ridiculous rate with some of these big plays. It's like Deshaun Jackson at his prime, where I don't know necessarily what to do with this dude. Roster him? Um, okay, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do going forward. <laughs> Thanks, Adam, for your heavy-hitting analysis this morning. <laughs> yeah, so the thing is with wide receivers, when they score a lot of touchdowns, it helps to have them in your lineup. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of chase yesterday either. It was just there were a lot of good receiver plays. I didn't get to a lot of Cincinnati. Um, I don't think I had any Burrow. So, like, the, I, I think I had, like, 3% chase. Um, he was obviously in a lot of my best lineups. But, uh, yeah, he, he's always going to be a massive ceiling guy. It was not a spot where I think many people expected the, the Bengals to just score a million points. Uh, yeah. So, you know, chase, chase is very, very good. I'm never going to be opposed to rostering him low ownership. But there's also typically a lot of receivers you can say that about on any given slate. Trying to see if there were any two tight ends. Because I, I'm two tight end. so last week, um, I was kind of giving Ryan, uh, so Rinpack, my boy, we do the Slate Starter podcast together. That's full, back in full effect for NBA. I was giving him crap about two tight end, about it being a garbage play. And he's like, it ended up being the second or third optimal um, on last week's slate. But I'm like, you can't necessarily look at that and say two 2% plays together ends up kind of working to fruition. But I thought with Jasicki, Kyle Pitts, uh, Foster Moreau, especially in the late night hammer, Dallas Goddard. Uh, I thought that there were a number of plays on a 10 game slate as the slate becomes a little bit more condensed from 13, 14 gamers that two tight ends could end up being something you could run. I doubt many one fifties run it, but did you ever consider playing two tight ends on this slate? I actually forgot to set a rule not to, so I might've done it, but I don't think I did. (laughs) Um, yeah, it sounds like you're just running on a different, you're, you're just running a little slower these last couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I've been sick the last few days. So just not, Oh shit. Not not better. Um, but, uh, I mean, typically I don't, it's not a big deal when I forget to set that rule. Uh, cause I typically just don't get it anyway. Cause I didn't mm-hmm. suck. But normally when I do set it, I just say like, I can play Kelsey plus a tight end. I can play Waller plus a tight end. I don't want two of the, the other guys. And the reason being like tight ends are good. They're, they're good ways to add upside to your lineup at a cheap price tag because any of Jasicki, Hawkinson, Goddard, you know, any of these guys, uh, they're involved enough in their offense that, they give you a nice, they, they give you a higher ceiling at let's, you know, let's say 4,200. Mm-hmm. Then you can typically find that running back then you can typically find a wide receiver because the similar wide receivers in terms of, of role are going to be, you know, 5k or 6k. Um, and then running backs, you know, you just, they're, they're priced up as well normally, unless it's, you know, a backup that is happening to start. Uh, so you can get more upside there, but typically they're still not, they, they don't, they're not consistent. They typically are yeah. going to disappoint. And so getting two of them into your lineup, sometimes it'll project well, but it's still not really the highest ceiling approach when you could just use, you know, an extra running back or an extra receiver. Like when you're thinking in terms of ceiling, getting up to like a $5,200 receiver is typically going to give you a higher ceiling than playing, you know, a second $4,200 tight end. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so yeah, Benny Levine in there in the chat said, Hunter Henry, the, the number one two tight end lineup was Mike Jasicki and Hunter Henry in 11th place in this contest. And that was a two-entry maxer. So that's not a maxer. That's just a two-entry person. There we go. Um, You had a number of that. And then 
it, it goes down a little bit further. There's a lot of Kyle Pitts, Mike Jasicki combinations, with, which makes sense, but that's also a lot more salary probably using it up. When you're playing too tight end, uh, it's usually because you need to find some kind of a punt down there, and it ends up working out like Foster Moreau and somebody else. But um, still, there were enough high upside spots, and running back when you just had Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones, you're fading on the top end. I think it made more sense than a normal week. Uh, not that I got to a ton of it, um, but I, I thought I might have when I was – getting ready to crunch lineups. But I think that that kind of covers it. Congrats to Megan Joy. Uh, absolute crush there. 150 maxer. Uh, did a fantastic job. Looking at some of these worst lineups, I mean, I, I don't even know this entire bit of, of finding a worst lineup. Uh, I'm going to the bottom. I, I, I think let's do this. Let's find Megan Joy's, just like we did last week for the winner. Let's look at Megan Joy's 150. Let's find their worst lineup. So we do the little hourglass. We look all the way to the bottom. So 24,746, Sam Darnold. Aaron Jones, wasn't shocked to see him in that. Leonard Fournette, actually, 17. Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, uh, Jacoby Myers, uh, Ian Thomas there in the in the tight end spot at 0.1%. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, a 4,100 with a big old goose egg. And Eagles defense for one. Uh, that isn't my favorite lineup I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it's still built well. It's just not, yeah. it's not very good. Yeah. Um, I'm a results guy over here is what it yeah. is. <laughs> my, 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 I just look, my worst lineup was, I had three lineups worse than, than that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still like Darnold more. I, I don't think you necessarily need to use the second piece in Ian Thomas, but it still, you know, positively correlates. Uh, did he, did they run it back with? Yeah, they, yeah, no, uh, well, no they Giants. had the, yeah. So Sam, Sam Darnold, no run back, no yeah, run back. Which is, which is fine. Like I don't run yeah. back all my lineups either, but um was just kind of curious there. Um, St. Brown, Brown with Cup makes sense. That's actually interesting. I don't know if, obviously, no idea if it was intentional or not. But uh, when I do run, typically when I run lineups without a run back from the other team, I do like to make sure that I have like a mini game stack in there. Whereas if I have two receivers and a run back, I don't really care about what's, what the rest of my lineup looks like too much. Um, but yeah, it's a bunch of guys that I played. Uh, I had a lot of Fournette, had a lot of DJ Moore, had a lot of Myers, obviously had a lot of Cup and... Uh, yeah, oh, it's just it's an okay built lineup. It it did really shitty. Sammy Telesco said Nick gave you Burrow and Chase yesterday. Well, good for Happy Gilmo. Oh my God, uh, yeah, I don't need to be getting to that. You guys didn't pick up on that reference. I'm way too old. Uh, don't mind me. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a that was a great call. I wish I had more of it. Um, anything else for you from this review show? We are at noon out there on the East Coast, nine o'clock out here on the West Coast. So I think that kind of wraps it up for me. Yeah, uh, one other thing. I, I just saw it. It was an interesting point in chat. Um, someone said that they're more willing to use two tight ends on slates where there's tight pricing. Typically, there's just not tight pricing, but I do agree with that in theory. Um, you Just as a general rule, your rules for roster construction should typically be less restrictive the fewer options that you have to build a good lineup. Um, in a lot of cases, the reason you're using rules is that you kind of have the ability to build good lineups in a variety of ways. And so you want to be making it so that your plays make sense within that lineup. If, you know, pricing were perfect and, you know, or, or like not even perfect, if like all running backs and wide receivers in theory were overpriced, then yeah, you would be a lot more willing to play two tight ends. Agreed. All righty. We have so much content coming down the pipeline here for today. Head over to the Osmo betting channel here in the next hour. Um, so starting up at 1 p.m. Eastern time, we have the betting show with Aton and Ben. 
Then we have the NHL strategy show following that, fantasy football show following that, Yahoo NFL show. I'll be on with Pete McCarthy at 3 p.m. Eastern time for that. Then the deeper dive, Aton and Lamarca starting that up. NBA deeper dive with you, Lafayette and Adam. That's uh, uh, you should probably set an alarm. Uh, we've got NBA Live Before Lock, Josh and Greg, and then I'll be on NFL Showdown Live Before Lock. Me, Savoka, Neil, that'll be awesome. Three man booth for the Monday night show. Uh, absolute blast. Loved reviewing all these lineups. Thanks for everybody che- checking it out. Hit that like button on the way out. He's Adam. He's the man. I'm Eric. I'm just a man. We'll see you later. Thank you.